My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 74, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 26, Deuteronomy 27, and Psalm 111. Numbers 26. After the plague, the Lord said to Moses and Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, Take a census of the whole Israelite community by families, all those 20 years old or more who are able to serve in the army of Israel. So on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, Moses and Eleazar, the priest, spoke with them and said, Take a census of the men, twenty years old or more, as the Lord commanded Moses. These were the Israelites who came out of Egypt. The descendants of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, were through Hanok and the Hanakite clan, through Palu and the Paluite clan, through Hezron, the Hezronite clan, through Carmi, the Carmite clan. These were the clans of Reuben. Those numbers were 43,730. The son of Pelu was Eliab, and the son of Eliab were Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. The same Dathan and Abiram were the community officials who rebelled against Moses and Aaron and were among Korah's followers when they rebelled against the Lord. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them along with Korah, whose followers died when the fire devoured the 250 men. And they served as a warning sign. The line of Korah, however, did not die out. The descendants of Simeon by their clans were through Nemuel, the Nemuelite clan, through Jamin, the Geminite clan, through Jachin, the Jachinite clan, through Zerah, the Zerahite clan, through Sheol, the Sheolite clan. These were the clans of Simeon. Those numbered were 22,200. The descendants of Gad by their clan were through Zephan, the Zephanite clan, through Haggai, the Haggite clan, through Shunai, the Shunite clan, through Ozni, the Oznite clan, through Eri, the Erite clan, through Erodi, the Erodite clan, through Areli, the Aralite clan. These were the clans of Gad. Those numbered were 40,500. Er and Onan were sons of Judah, but they died in Canaan. The descendants of Judah by their clans were through Shelah, the Shelinite clan, through Perez, the Perizzite clan, through Zerah, the Zerahite clan. The descendants of Perez were through Hezron, the Hezronite clan, through Hemuel, the Hemulite clan. These were the clans of Judah. Those numbered were 76,500. The descendants of Issachar by their clans were through Tola, the Tolite clan, through Pua, the Puite clan, through Jeshub, the Jeshubite clan, through Shimron, the Shimronite clan. These were the clans of Issachar. Those numbered were 64,300. The descendants of Zebulun by their clan, through Sarad, the Saradite clan, through Elon, the Elonite clan, through Jalil, the Jilalite clan. These were the clans of Zebulun. Those numbered were 60,500. The descendants of Joseph, by their clans through Manasseh and Ephraim were. The descendants of Manasseh, through Machir, the Machirite clan. The Machir was the father of Gilead. Through Gilead, the Gileadite clan. These were the descendants of Gilead. Through Lezer, the Lezerite clan. 
through Halek, the Halekite clan, through Ezrael, the Ezraelite clan, through Shechem, the Shechemite clan, through Shemida, the Shemadite clan, through Hefer, the Heferite clan. Zelophehad, son of Hefer, had no sons. He had only daughters, whose names were Malal, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Terzah. These were the clans of Manasseh. Those numbered were 52,700. These were the descendants of Ephraim by their clan, through Shuthalah, the Shuthalite clan, through Becher, the Becherite clan, through Tahan, the Tahanite clan. These were the descendants of Shuthilah, through Aran, the Aranite clan. These were the clans of Ephraim, whose numbers were 32,500. These were the descendants of Joseph by their clans. The descendants of Benjamin by their clan were through Bela, the Belite clan, through Ashbel, the Ashbelite clan, through Ahiram, the Ahiramite clan, through Shephuam, the Shephuamite clan, through Hepham, the Hephamite clan. The descendants of Bela through Ard and Naaman were through Ard and Ardenite clan, through Naaman, the Namite clan. These were the clans of Benjamin. Those numbered were 45,600. These were the descendants of Dan by their clans, through Shuham, the Shuhamite clan. These were the clans of Dan. All of them were Shuhamite clans, and those numbered were 64,400. The descendants of Asher by their clans were through Imnah, the Imnite clan, through Ishvi, the Ishvite clan, through Beria, the Berite clan, and through the descendants of Beria, through Heber, the Heberite clan, through Malkiel, the Malkielite clan, Asher had a daughter named Sarah. These were the clans of Asher. Those numbered were 53,400. The descendants of Naphtali by their clans were through Jazil, Jazilite clan, through Guni, the Gunite clan, through Jezer, the Jezerite clan, through Shalem, the Shalemite clan. These were the clans of Naphtali. Those numbered were 45,400. The total number of men of Israel was 601,730. The Lord said to Moses, The land is to be allotted to them as an inheritance based on the number of names. To a larger group, given a larger inheritance, and to a smaller group, a smaller one. Each is to receive its inheritance according to the number of those listed. Be sure that the land is distributed by lot. What each group inherits will be according to the names for its ancestral tribe. Each inheritance is to be distributed by lot among the larger and smaller groups. These were the Levites who were counted by their clans, through Gershon, the Gershonite clan, through Kohath, the Kohathite clan, through Merari, the Merarite clan. These also were Levite clans, the Libanite clan, the Hebronite clan, the Mahalite clan, the Mushite clan, the Korhite clan. Koth was the forefather of Amram. The name of Amram's wife was Jacobed and descendant of Levi, who was born to the Levites in Egypt. To Amram, she bore Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. Aaron was the father of Nadab and Abui, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died when they made an offering before the Lord with unauthorized fire. All the male Levites, a month old or more, numbered 23,000. They were not counted along with the other Israelites because they received no inheritance among them. These are the ones counted by Moses and Eleazar, the priests, when they counted the Israelites on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Not one of them was among those counted by Moses and Aaron, the priest, when they counted the Israelites in the desert of Sinai. For the Lord had told those Israelites they would surely die in the wilderness, and not one of them was left except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Deuteronomy 27.
Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, Keep all these commands I give you today. When you have crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you, set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And when you have crossed the Jordan, set up these stones on Mount Abal, as I commanded you today, and coat them with plaster." Build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. Do not use any iron tool on them. Build the altar of the Lord your God with field stones and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Sacrifice fellowship offerings there, eating them and rejoicing in the presence of the Lord your God. And you shall write very clearly on the words of this law, on these stones you have set up. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Be silent, Israel, and listen. You have now become the people of the Lord your God. Obey the Lord your God and follow his commands and decrees that I give you today. On the same day Moses commanded the people, When you have crossed the Jordan, these tribes shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these tribes shall stand on Mount Ebal to pronounce curses, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. The Levite shall recite to all the people of Israel in a loud voice, Cursed is anyone who makes an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of skilled hands, and set it up in secret. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father or mother. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray on the road. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone with withholding justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his father's wife, for he dishonors his father's bed. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who has sexual relations with an animal. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his mother-in-law. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who kills their neighbor secretly. Then all shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart, in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonder to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Numbers 26 is really the beginning of the story of the second generation of Israel. Although, as Dr. Reynolds says, it doesn't take them closer to the promised land just yet. That won't happen until Joshua chapter 3. 
but the next 10 chapters in Numbers will be about this next generational anticipation and preparation or readiness for the promised land. What I like is there's so much God-given edits and clarity on living a well-lived life in the place he will dwell with us in a place that he will place his name. I think that's so cool. Unlike the last 25 chapters in Numbers, which were full of rebellion, in the next 10 chapters, there is only one point of tragedy that Dr. Reynolds points out, and that is the two and a half of Israel's tribes who decide not to go into the promised land in Numbers 32. But aside from that, this generation is showing more signs of faithfulness than unbelief. As a marketer, concepts like generation are often a part of identifying a target audience demographically and psychographically. Research shows that ages 17 to 22 are formidable in bonding a generation in terms of the experiences they share related to things like politics, culture, consumption, and geographic events. And sometimes I think the generation with the most power and influence in terms of jobs and purchasing power tend to be negative towards the generation before them and the generation after them. What really gets me is when I see this in Christian publications or conversations. I think scripture is pretty clear that we should learn from the past generations, but also be grateful for helping us to get here in this story. And then thinking carefully about how to empower and pass the torch to prepare the next generation for successors in this chapter of the story here on earth in the kingdom of God. To me, it's kind of counterintuitive to write or say negative things about the next generation. And their, in quotes, lack of church attendance or, in quotes, deconstruction. Instead, why don't we name them as the next generation and encourage them to think critically, give them tools and encourage them to read the Bible for themselves and engage in conversations with conviction but charity and tone because the Bible is truth. But we're humble enough to admit that ourselves and every human before and after us are reading the Bible to understand it and apply it in our lives and share it with others. So to avoid misunderstanding and misrepresenting it, these are key. I think the goal is to safeguard ourselves against the one end of the spectrum, which so many like to refer to as relativism, where everyone's interpretation is true and valid. On the other hand, the other end of the spectrum seeks to marshal this rightness and comes out in tough accusations that are mostly uncharitable and often pseudo-truths where they yell and their interpretation of basically everything is essentially what they think is God's truth without exception or the need for critique. But let's be honest, the middle of the spectrum where we agree that God is truth, the Bible is truth, it's his truth, his gift to all generations, and we're all seeking to use the gift of the Holy Spirit and the church and reformer forefathers as well as theologians and pastors today to understand the Bible in a way that God designed it. So things like original language and context are key before trying to apply it to our lives. The opportunity, if you're a millennial or Gen X, is to think about how to empower Generation Alpha. And if you're a baby boomer, your opportunity is to empower the Gen X and millennials into the next chapter of participating on earth in the kingdom of God. I hope that makes sense, but I'm feeling called to remind myself that villainizing past or future generations is a distraction from God's call. Moses is clearly empowering the next generation, not telling them they are post-Christian and a post-Christian world, essentially that they're heathens and the world is doomed. It's just not true. The Bible is clear. Jesus is coming and we're a part of the story. Our participation and restoration and redemption that he will fulfill, ultimately, is of paramount importance. There is nothing post about it. 
So whatever generation you are in, that I'm in, think of the four-part call to become a kingdom of priests that Marty Solomon and Brett Billing points to and drew out of Leviticus. First, put God on display in your life. Second, help others invite them to seek atonement through Jesus Christ. And intercede in prayer like Moses and Aaron did time and again for those that are rebelling against God and that are lost. And lastly, give prodigally and generously. Use your blessing to be a blessing in whatever sphere of influence you are in right now. In Deuteronomy 27, as Dr. Gary Miller says in his commentary, this gnawing sense of unease and urgency that seems to have been growing in the book so far is coming to full crisis. There is a decision to be made. There's a call to obey the whole commandment and do it today. Obedience must characterize their lives and they are to become the people of God. Today's the day. Now is the time. I see the connection to Esther 4 verse 14, which says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But if your father's family will perish, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. The question is, Israel, us, we have been blessed. Will we be a blessing to others and for others and submit to God's will and ways for our lives or not? In this story, the 12 tribes of Jacob are split into two and 12 curses are described as they relate, we read some summary and some new specific edits by God he's making on Israel here where it talks about not committing adultery, which is also connected to and stated in the importance of sexual propriety and not taking advantage of the vulnerable or accepting bribes, following God's commands and not leading the blind astray. After each statement, Moses is making the people or they just are, saying, Amen. I think there's something so important to reflect on related to the decision. Right now, what will we do? Can we, through the transformation of the Holy Spirit, develop new habits where there are not the parts that aren't aligned with God's will and ways? Can we establish a pattern of obedience that puts God on display in our lives? Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.